0: So let's uh, let's turn in the scriptures um, and to Luke's gospel, and we've uh, made reference to it uh, uh, this morning in in the hymns and the carols that we've been singing. But Luke's gospel in chapter two, and uh, this, of course, is a familiar passage. But it's amazing you come year by year, and you think, uh, what am I going to say this year about about the Christmas story? You've preached it Christmas after Christmas after Christmas. And yet, of course, God's word is so full and so rich that uh, you come again and you just uh, see uh, God-willing things that are new or things that we remind ourselves of and need to remind ourselves. The Apostle Paul says to say, the same things to you is, uh, is uh, no, not a, a burdensome to me, says Paul, and it's safe for you because how quickly we can forget some of these well-known Bible truths as well. Let's just turn to Luke Gospel chapter 2 then, and from verse 8, and we we read these words. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified, lying in a manger and we began last week to consider this statement uh, of the angels it was a statement but it was also a promise of the angels that you will find the baby and if you find him he will be the cause of great joy for you if you find him and we noted last week the significance that uh, Jesus when he came into this world was wrapped up in a certain way, and the dangers we considered was how Jesus came into our world, and he was wrapped up with the traditions of the world into which He came. That to wrap a baby up was traditional. It's not we don't do that anymore, but it was traditional to do that. It was accepted, it was what was expected. And when Jesus came into our world, we found, as we looked at this last week, that there are many wrappings of tradition around Jesus. There is much prejudice, there is much religious nonsense regarding Jesus, regarding this babe of Bethlehem. And that tradition and that nonsense will obscure the Saviour if we're not careful and leave us with an idea of Jesus that can never save us the world would present jesus to us today on this christmas time as a a nice person as a prophet even if you were uh held with a jehovah's witness belief as a some kind of angelic being someone who went about doing good and showing uh something of what god was like healing the sick But not the Son of God, not the very Son of God who came into the world as the sin-bearing Lamb of God who could take away and would take away the sins of those who put their trust in him and the only hope of heaven. To find the great joy that the angels promised, we must unwrap the prejudice. We must unwrap the misunderstanding and the misinformation that our world would wrap Jesus in. And accept the Christ of the the manger as being the Christ of the cross. The Christ who came as the Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world and to receive that baby not just into the manger of Bethlehem, but into our hearts by faith if we're going to find our way to that great joy. The shepherds who received the good tidings, of course, would have found it very difficult to identify Jesus just as a baby wrapped in cloths. Jesus didn't have a halo around his head as some of the more catholic sort of images of him suggest he was a a baby and he was wrapped in cloths but so were all the babes in bethlehem you could have gone into that city and you would have found no end of babies wrapped in swaddling cloths and that would have not have led you to the baby you would have found it very difficult to have found a christ child just with that information alone but there was more information at the Angels had to offer a, a second clue, if you like, to the finding of this Jesus, stating that he would be lying in a manger, that he would be lying in a makeshift crib, and by that you would be able to separate him and identify him apart from all the other babies in Bethlehem on that night. Now, the manger, of course, was a trough. It was a, 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 something that was used to feed and to water the animals. It, it was designed by the farmer or the smallholder to feed the livestock and uh, to the animals and, and, to, and for them to drink as well. And it was in order that it would, they would have easy access to the food and to the water within those troughs. If they were made of wood, of course, they wouldn't have been able to put water in them, but some of these uh, mangers were made of wood, others of them were, were honed into rocks, into, into rocks so they could hold the water as well as the, the food, and it was a place where the animals could come and they could have easy access to the food that was there for them provided by the farmer. But now it was used as a resting place, a resting place for the Son of God. Another use, another purpose. But was it so? Was it so? Or was it in fact indeed a place of easy access to food and drink and easy access for feeding? You know, we noted last time how the world was in darkness when Jesus came in Matthew's Gospel 4, 16, and this is a familiar uh, passage to us at this time. The people living in darkness have seen a great light. And those living in the shadow of death, a light has dawned. That was the situation when Jesus came, people groping around for lack of light and direction and, and purpose to their lives. That was a situation with a, a fear of death hanging over their heads. What's going to happen to me? I'm getting older. I might die. Where am I going to spend eternity? That, that great uh, darkness, ha- uh, that great shadow hanging over their heads. They may not have always felt that way. They may have grown up to accept that unhappy situation, that unhappy state as their lot, thinking, well, this is all there is. This is all I can expect to, to live in this world and, and, and go through it aimlessly and, and do what I can and just live out this life and then I'm going to die, eat, drink and be buried for tomorrow I die. That's all I can expect. And that's what a lot of people expect. But when Jesus came into this world, he raised people's expectation. He said that's not what life is all about. There is something more Jesus came to show us how to live. He came to show us that there was something beyond the grave. He was something to show us He came to show us that there was a purpose in this life, that there was a, a direction that we could have, that there was a God who wanted to hold our hand and and take us through life and take us into his kingdom that 's what Jesus came to show john 's gospel chapter ten, ten, and I just love this verse. Jesus said the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Wow. Have it to the full. How many people understand that? How many people have life to the full? I wonder this morning, have you settled for living in darkness? Have you settled for a life without true direction and purpose? Oh yes, you distract yourself when That sense of foreboding comes over you, when that that shadow of death, when you begin to think about those things, you just turn the music up, you turn the television on, you try to forget about it, you distract yourself. But it keeps coming back because there's a shadow of death and you haven't done anything about it and one day you're going to die, it may be soon, it may be later, but it's, it's going to happen and it's overshadowing you. The reason the Son of God came Was to destroy the works of the devil. So that through fear of death man may not be. Because through fear of death man was subject to lifelong bondage. Have you settled for the darkness? But there was another reality that Jesus revealed when he came into this world. And it was the reality that people were hungry. And the people were thirsty. And the world was in need of spiritual food, in need of spiritual drink. Even from times gone by, from ancient times, the, the psalmist wrote for Psalm 42, verse 1, he says, "As a deer pants for water, streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? He's hungry, he's thirsty, he's in need of coming near to God. He's in need of knowing God. And that's been the need right down through the centuries, ever since the beginning of this world. Isaiah 26 verse 9, The Isaiah says the same, My soul yearns for you in the night, in the time when I'm not distracted. In the times when I'm quiet and I'm face to face with myself, with my soul, my soul yearns for you in the night. In the morning, my spirit longs for you. Have you got a longing for God? Have you got a hunger for God? Do you have a a need for God? Are you spiritually thirsty today? Because there are so many people on this Christmas Eve and they're hungry and they're thirsty. Hungry and thirsty for God. (laughs) When Jesus grew up just before he began his ministry he was tempted by the devil. We read in Luke's Gospel chapter 4 verse 1 we read there Jesus full of the Holy Spirit left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days and at the end of them he was hungry the devil said to him if you are the son of god tell the stone to become bread and jesus answered it is written man shall not live by bread alone you see jesus satan wanted jesus to forget about the spiritual dimension. He wanted Jesus to forget about spiritual nourishment. He wanted to substitute it with earthly food and earthly pleasure. Satan was saying, in fact, listen, Jesus, if you follow me, I'll give you the very best Christmas meal you could ever have. I will get you the biggest turkey and I will put all the trimmings there and I will give you mince pies and I will give you uh, uh, Christmas cake and all kinds of stuff. And I tell you what, Jesus, if you, if you follow me, I'll, I won't just give you, I'll make sure that they're and S. I I will give you the very best, Jesus, if you follow me. And Jesus said, men cannot live by bread alone. And you see there are, there are people and we know that there are so many people today and they are filling up Christmas with all kinds of things and they're thinking about the big meal and they're thinking about oh we're going to have this and we're going to have that and we're perhaps boasting a little bit about where they've got their food from and they're saying well we're, we're going to have this and you know we haven't gone to Littles, you know <laughs> some of us have gone to Littles, by the way but you may, you may not. But, you know, the idea that somehow that that we'll fill it up with that. We'll fill it up with that. We'll make sure that we have all the food that we can eat. And that's Christmas to us. But Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone. You cannot substitute Jesus with a Christmas meal. You cannot substitute Jesus with a load of presents. You cannot substitute Jesus with lights and tinkling lights and very... Uh, 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 and Christmas trees and and parties. You can't substitute Jesus with that. He's bigger than that. He's better than that. He's in a different dimension from that. Be small-minded if you want to be, but that's not where Jesus is. Have your party if you must, but if that's all that you really want out of Christmas, then God feels sorry for you. Because there is so much more. So much more. Moses represented the Old Testament law. He represented the rules and the rituals of ancient Israel. And the people began to misunderstand the law of Moses. Thinking that it was a a way of salvation. Thinking it was by keeping those laws and keeping those rituals that they could Get to heaven. And they began to substitute a relationship with God with those rules and with those rituals. And they said, well, I don't have to come near to God. I can just do the religious stuff. I I can go to church. I can read my Bible. I can sing psalms or hymns or prayers or whatever. and, And that's going to be okay. And I can get somehow some brownie points with God. And that's how many people live. Many people this Christmas time are thinking it's not just about food. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna to go to the Christmas service. I- I've sung a few carols. i I I I I might go to church, I might do the religious stuff, I might be very careful about doing that. But again, that doesn't substitute our relationship with God. That's not what God wants from us, He wants a relationship with us. John's Gospel chapter one The apostle John tells us this. He says, for the law was given through Moses. But grace and peace came through Jesus Christ. And again in John's gospel, chapter 6 and verse 32, we read there. Very truly says Jesus, I tell you, it was not Moses who has given you bread from heaven. But it's my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that came down from heaven and gives life to the world he said it's me it's me and 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 the law of moses and the rituals and the rules and the regulations and all the trimmings that we put around christmas none of them substitute a relationship and none of them give us the bread of life that god wants us to have none of them do If you rely upon rituals, if you rely upon being here today, if you rely upon just saying prayers and singing carols and thinking, well, that's where I'm finishing. I'm not going to accept Christ as my saviour. I I don't want any more to do with it. Then all you have is the Lord of Moses. All All you have is a religious trimming, but you don't have the bread of life. You don't have what God wants you to have. You don't have what God promised to send. You don't have the joy and you won't have the joy that God wants you to have. Jesus declared in John 6 and verse 35, he said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will will never go hungry and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. All those the Father gives me will come to me and whoever comes to me, I I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose none of those he has given me, but raise them up on the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone, everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him will have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. What good news. What a glorious, what glorious good news it is. Jesus, the bread of life, Offering to nourish our souls, offering to give what we could never have, what we could never gain, the bread of life. In John's Gospel, chapter 4, we read of Jesus meeting, and a very, very well-known story of Jesus meeting with a, a Samaritan woman. John 4, 4, we read, now he, that is Jesus, had to go through the Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews are not, had no association with Samaritans, we read there. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? And Jesus went on to say, Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Not only was this woman amazed at the offer of living water to quench her very needy thirst. But she marveled that Jesus was available to her. Why would Jesus, a Jew, have any time for, the, for a Samaritan woman? Jews, Jews had nothing to do with the Samaritans. They called them dogs. They were the lowest of the low. Why would a Jew have anything to do with Samaritan? And later on, even more than that, later on she wonders again, why would you, Jesus, this holy man, this Messiah of all people, why would you have anything to do with someone who has made such a shipwreck of their life? Because Jesus knew what she'd done. He knew who she was. He knew that she had five husbands and she was living in sin. He knew all about her and she's amazed. She's saying, Jesus, why do you make yourself available to me? Why do you offer living water to me? I've made a shipwreck of my life. I'm not in I'm not worthy of anything. Why would you make yourself available to me? But you see that's the message of the manger. That's the message of the manger. You see anyone can come to the manger. It doesn't matter how bad you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter if you are the worst person in the world. It doesn't matter if you've made shipwreck of your life and shipwreck of, your, uh, 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 of other people's lives and you don't deserve anything and you, 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 know, you need to pull yourself up into the gutter, let alone pull, uh, get yourself out of the gutter. There's some people say, you know, God wouldn't want me. I'm nothing better than an animal. My life, my behaviour, the things I've done. Preacher, you wouldn't. If I told you the things I've done, you you, you wouldn't want anything to do with me. I've heard it again and again. But you see, that's what the manger is for. Because a manger is where animals can come. A manger is where animals can feed. A manger is where animals can drink. It doesn't matter how far, how low you've gone. Jesus invites you today. God says to you and to me today, come, come to the manger. Come to eat, come to drink from this manger that God has made available for us. I wonder this morning, are you, are you hungry? You may be hungry for tomorrow. You may be hungry for your Christmas meal, but I'm not talking about that. I wonder, are you hungry for something else? You've had Christmas dinner year after year after year after year after year. We all have. And every Christmas, the next Christmas we come again looking again, we're just as hungry and just as looking forward to it and just as thirsty as we were before are you hungry for God this Christmas the decorations and the trimmings of Christmas say they're not enough the turkey and the mince pies will not satisfy and you're going to be hungry again drink as much as you can but it will never satisfy you Like the water that Jesus offers you. Drown your sorrows but they will surface again. Until you deal with those issues through the cross of Christ. Jesus is available. He's available to you and to me today. Christian, perhaps you are feeling a bit hungry these days. You haven't spent as much time with God as you should have done and needed to. Perhaps you're thirsty today. Perhaps you haven't been to church for a while and you're thinking, you know, I, I'm i really thirsty for the things of God. I'm really hungry. We all need to be. We need to keep feeling that way. But we can always come. We can always come. The devil says, oh, you, you've made too many mistakes now. You, God isn't interested in you. And we come again and again through the blood of Jesus and we find that all those things are forgotten. God can't even remember them. But in the in his forgetfulness. Yeah. Then in God's forgetfulness. Jesus says, John six forty seven, he says, Very truly I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. <clears throat> I am the bread of life, your ancestors speaking to the Jews, your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is a bread that comes down from heaven which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that comes down from heaven. Whoever eats the bread will live forever. The bread is my flesh which I give for the life of the world. And there upon that cross, that baby (coughs) born in Bethlehem upon that cross died willingly for the sins of the world. That you and I could know the great joy of sins forgiven, the great joy of the blood of Christ cleansing us, the great joy of having the righteousness of Christ to clothe us, the great joy of that future with God. Let's pray together. Our loving Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for the manger. We thank you that it is a place where we can come and we can find in Jesus the Saviour that we need. Lord, we may be hungering today, but we can find in Jesus the one who meets our spiritual hunger. We may be thirsty today in Jesus, we find the one who meets our spiritual thirst. We can come to him past all the rules and rituals and all the trappings that the world would try to put in place. And we can come to that simple manger, kneel before him even now as we pray and say, Lord Jesus, I don't want you just in the manger. I want you in my heart. Open my heart to you. I pray that you would forgive my sins. I recognize you came for me. You came to die in my place. You came that I might live and I might have life and have it to the full, that I might have a home in heaven. Lord Jesus, come into my heart right now. If I've never made that commitment before. Be my saviour. Quench my thirst. Quench my hunger. Let me know you personally. Let me know the joy of peace. Take away that dark cloud that overshadows me. That great full stop at the end of my life. Let me know for certain that I'm yours. And that I will go to heaven when I pass from this world. May this Christmas time be, for each of us, Heavenly Father, a a time when we draw near, a time when we understand and appreciate the full and true meaning of Christmas. May we not be content with the trappings of Christmas, but look for the real gift and receive him for ourselves. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.